0: Welcome back to this Victory Monday! Okay, that was longer than I did it last week with the Victory Monday champ. Hold up a second. God damn, I got to (laughs) breathe. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Jesse. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals finally, finally beating the Cleveland Browns for the first time in nine meetings. The Browns have won. Coming into the game, the Browns have won five straight against the Bengals, eight out of nine. And it's been a hot minute. Joe Burr has not won a game against the Browns until Sunday. Finally, Joe gets his first victory as a starting quarterback against the Cleveland Browns as the Bengals beat the Browns 23-10 on Sunday at Paycor Stadium. This game was very, it was a meh, it was a very ugly game, but you know what? It counts as a W. I don't care at all. Just get the win. The Bengals are now 9-4. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're playing the best football of the season. And it's December, and Zach Taylor said to the team in the locker room, you always want to be playing your best football, especially in December and January as well, if you get into the playoffs, which this team is definitely a playoff team. So it's the Bengals' first five-game winning streak since the 2015 season. And it's also five in a row in Paycor Stadium. Honestly, the Bengals should be 6-0 at home because they blew that Steeler game in the first game but we won't talk about that because i always reiterate that game a lot on this podcast but then we should have won the, that we should have won that game but oh well Bengals are now nine and four they are still in second place in the afc north tied with the ravens who also won their football game yesterday in pittsburgh against the squealers thanks for nothing pittsburgh the fact that i was actually rooting for you guys to beat the ravens Because the Bengals beat the Browns. If the Ravens would have lost, the Bengals would have been first place in the AFC North. But the Steelers didn't get it done. So the Ravens and Bengals remain a first place tie. With the Ravens continuing to hold the tiebreaker over the Bengals. Because of a better division record. And also they have the tiebreaker because the Ravens beat the Bengals in week 5. Also, before I start this podcast and give you my thoughts on the game and a recap. This is a message to the Cleveland Browns fans. Especially to the fans that are on Twitter, and I always talk to to you guys about Twitter spaces and how these football fans are always on there giving their takes and stuff, and sometimes I wish Twitter, especially, where everybody voiced their opinions, I just wish that app can be, like, you can get charged for, like, 10 bucks for being, like, stupid because it's free, and a lot of people have some wild takes, to say the least, but for the Cleveland Browns fans that thought that, you know... Yeah, I get it. You coming into this game, you've owned us, blah blah blah, but honestly, we don't ca- I don't really care. Like I I know I went off on the Instant Reaction podcast last yesterday because I just it was just emotion because I really don't like the Cleveland Browns fans. They think they're the shit. They think they've done something. And I'm like, "You guys haven't done nothing. Nothing." And I'm going to continue to reiterate that. You guys have only had Two winning seasons in twenty years, like what are we talking about? You haven't won the AFC North division title for God's sake! Congratulations, you made the AFC divisional playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs in twenty twenty. Congratulations, you blew that game. Who cares? That was that was a COVID year, and you had OBJ, and everybody thought that oh the Browns they're gonna make that next step, Super Bowl contenders, right? All that shit. Then unfortunately you guys got the injury bug. Your whole organization is a clusterfuck. And your fan base, my goodness. During the during the lead up to this game on Sunday, Brown's fans on Twitter were going wild on the Twitter spaces, man. Hot takes. Joe Burr overrated. Joe Burr is pretty much Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I had to sit there in the Twitter space for 30 minutes and I had to listen to those takes, and I'm just like, ooh. So after we won last night, guys, I just was pulling receipts off the bat. I was just, there was Browns fans on my DMs before this game, just talking shit, saying, hey, well, I'll come see you. I'll come see you when we beat you guys. And I'm like, all right, bitch, bet. I, some of those fans, they've been quiet. I, I respond back. I'm like, where are you now? Where are you at now? Come see me, right? Fuck out of here. It's a good win, but the Browns are just on our way to what our goal is, is to get back to Super Bowl and hopefully win it. So, you guys, we knocked you guys out of the playoffs. The fact that you guys thought that you had a realistic chance of still making the playoffs at 5-7 and heading into this game was pretty fucking hilarious. (laughs) So, we pretty much ruined your quote-unquote playoff dreams. Fuck out of here. And you paid a guy over $200 million, and he's a predator and all that shit, Right? Right? Okay. Cool. So, as I said in the Instant Reaction podcast last night, and I'm going to say it again, fuck Cleveland, fuck their quarterback, fuck their offense, fuck their defense, fuck their fans, fuck their coaches, fuck their city. Their city is a third world country as well. Fuck them as well. Fuck everyone. Okay? And I say that with, with the utmost respect. With all due respect, I have no respect at all. All right. I got that out of the way. Okay, before I even get started with the recap of this game, I don't mind playing and watching the game on CBS. <sighs> hey, this broadcasting crew, okay, we had Greg Gumbel and Adam Archuleta. Again, they announced the Bengals and Steeler game a couple of weeks ago. And, boy, were they rooting for Pittsburgh on. They were rooting them on. Can it pick it? Oh, my God. Making throws like he's Joe Montana in this game. Especially Greg Gumble. Like, when the Bengals had that flea flicker play, Burr, the Trent Irwin, it, that call was so, like, there we go. Handoff, off, Mixon. Oh, back to Joe Burr. He throws deep. There's Trent Irwin for the touchdown. Really? Like that was the perfect executed flea flicker play of all time. That usually happens against us. This time we got that down. But for Greg Dumble to make that type of call, what enthusiasm was that? Like what the what the hell? Are we are we are we for real right now? And then Adam Archuleta was just all over the place. He was calling players' names wrong. I mean, we got a, a Chris Hubbard, Sam Hendrickson. I'm like, what? Wow, what are we doing? Did we did our homework before this game? Like you guys had all week and also you did a Bengals game three weeks ago. No wonder that the a D plus broadcasting crew for games announcing, like my God, y'all stink. So even at I know I give my shit to Tony Roma, but at least he does his homework even though he Jack's off to Mahomes, and now we get Tom Brady and the Bucks this week. So, and then Romo and Nancy are on the call for that game. So, that should be fun again. But at least them two, they're the number one broadcasting team on CBS for a reason because shit, they're really good. They call good games. But at least they do their homework. But Gumball and Archuleta, golly, I, yeah. So, yeah, I just had to get that out of the way. I know, I'm eight minutes into this podcast, and I haven't even talked about the recap of the game from my perspective. I will. I will. So, ugh, just had to get that out of the way because, oof. I don't know if you guys were You guys were watching the game. Like, do you agree with me? The CBS crew, the broadcasting crew, was bad. It was really bad. Like, I was thinking throughout the game, I'm like, man, I got lots of things to talk about this crew in my podcast. But, yeah. Okay, on to the game, all right? So, here are my positives, right? Shout out to the Bengals' defense, and we do not give defensive coordinator Lou Anaruma and his defensive unit enough credit. Leading up to this game, we were all saying, we got to stop the run because Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the NFL, he was held to 14 carries, okay, for 34 rushing yards, 2.4 yards per carry. In, his, in the first meeting, when the Bengals got blitzed in that Halloween massacre in Cleveland on that Monday night, he had 23 carries for 101 yards, two touchdowns, 4.4 yards per carry. Even though he went for 100 yards in that game, I felt like the Bengals did a good job on Chubb in that game, especially in the first half. But you know who wasn't playing in that first meeting? DJ Reader. DJ Raider is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. And he doesn't get enough credit at all. And he should be a pro bowler. And and also he should be an all-pro. This man was just a force in the run game yesterday. Five tackles, one quarterback hit, just batting balls in the line of scrimmage, and just an absolute menace of stopping the run. We missed him in the first meeting, and Even as I look back in the meetings of the Browns and Bengals, Nick Chubb was able to run pretty well, even with DJ Reader playing in those games. But in this one, he was just on the mission saying, you're not going to get shit on us. And he made a promise to that. So way to go, DJ Reader. I am just, I'm so glad that the media are now starting to pay attention to who you are and what an off-season pickup. Reader used to play for the Houston Texans. I mean, look at them now. But at that time, we didn't know how big of an accu- um, how big of a of a pickup that was going to be. Whew. Shout out to DJ Reader. You know what? He gets a standing ovation for his performance on Sunday. Absolutely, DJ Reader. What a tank! And also, um, can we give credit to Logan Wilson? This man had 17 total tackles in this game, a half a sack. This man had 13 tackles in the first half. This man doesn't get enough credit for being one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But just because he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, that narrative, he just plays for the Bengals. Like, what the fuck? We We made the Super Bowl last year. He was a big part of our run last year to the Super Bowl. So, credit to Logan Wilson, hell of a game. But I believe, other than DJ Reader being the player of the game on the defensive side, second star in this game is Cam Taylor-Britt. What a, just a a godsend for this Bengals defense. And this is Bengals cornerback room. Since Chinadou Awuzie, who tore his ACL, huh, Oddly enough, against the fucking Browns on that Monday night game. Out for the year. And we knew that CTB had to step up in his role. And, you know, at first glance, we were like, oh boy. He's going to have rookie moments where he's going to have rookie mistakes. But man, in this game against Cleveland, he showed that Gantela Brits is the future for the Bengals when it comes to that cornerback room. In this game, six tackles, two pass breakups, I mean, that Browns drive when they were thinking they're about to score. They had four chances. Third and the, third down, great play on, uh, great play there. Fourth down, the deflection off Donovan Peoples Jones. Like two straight plays where Cam Taylor-Britt pretty much end the Browns' hopes of even trying to win that game, or even have a shot to win that game. There's a reason why the Bengals drafted him in the second round with their first pick of that round. To contribute, Like, I knew he was going to contribute this year to this team, but we didn't know that Awuzie was going to be out for the year for 20 ACL. And Cam Taylor-Bred had to grow up real fast. And he's been such a big force, especially against the Titans and Chiefs, those heavyweights that we all thought that with this gauntlet schedule, it's like, oh, shit, tough schedule. Can a rookie handle his business or at least try? He did against the Chiefs. And he did it against the Browns. He did it against the Titans. So Cam Taylor-Britt, keep doing your thing because you're making a difference. And honestly, when Chinnadu went down, I was afraid that that position, not having cornerback one there, I was like, damn, that's going to be the fall for the team. And it hasn't been during this five-game winning streak. It hasn't been at all. So this is why we drafted him in the second round. There's a reason why. So, way to go, Cam Taylor. We're so proud of you. Most definitely. Let's see what else we got with the defensive positives. Oh, Sam Hubbard. He's having a career season. I've been saying this all season during the podcast. In this game, he had five tackles, one sack, and three quarterback hits. Keep doing your thing, Sam. Like, he's creating pressure on the quarterback. Even though the Bengals don't sack the quarterback as much, he is getting to the quarterback, him and Trey. So, good game for Sam. And then our favorite person, Eli Apple, quietly is really having a good year. And during this stretch, has really played just great coverage. And people saying, really? He has. Okay. So, Here's a stat that I saw. Among 110 eligible cornerbacks since week 9, Eli Apple ranks 4th in receiving percentage. That's 43.5%. He is 20th in pro football focus coverage grade with a grade of 70.5. He's 23rd in passer rating when targeted with a number of 776 and then he's 24th with pro football focus defensive grade at 68.4. Eli's playing great. He's, he's flying under the radar. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about Eli Apple, they talk about him being burnt toast, always getting burnt in coverage, all that shit. I get it. He has his moments. But ever since, ever since last year, like he's been such a solid pickup. And I think we, I think some of us, we just look at the negatives and not look at the positives. He's, he's doing this thing. He's shutting, he's shutting motherfuckers down. So we need to give Eli Apple his respect. So keep going. Keep going, Eli. You're doing well. Jesse Bates had an interception on the Predator. So that was good. That was a key interception right there. And all game, I was waiting for Deshaun Watson to throw an interception. I'm like, he's gonna, he's bound for a turnover. And Jesse Bates... Read that play perfectly, and that was a huge interception to stop a Browns drive. Overall, the defense, 71 rushing yards allowed. Watson threw the ball 42 times. That's not a winning recipe for the Browns. This is the second game back after not touching the football in over 700 days. In the second start, you allow this man to throw 42 times. I get it because the Bengals' run defense was just lethal. And Nick Chubb couldn't get anywhere. Couldn't get any separation at all. But damn. 26 for 42 for Watson for 276 passing yards. One touchdown, one interception. The Bengals sacked him twice. In his first game back, Watson looked pretty shitty against his former team in the Houston Texans. But in this game, he he looked okay. He looked okay, but I wasn't really worried about him. I was just worried about the run game of the Browns and Nick Chubb. You didn't really hear Kareem Hunt's name at all. So Bengals defense deserves a lot of credit for what they did. And they're playing they're playing great football. At a time where you need your defense, especially when it gets colder. And the weather gets shittier. You need that defense to rise up. And that's what the Cincinnati Bengals and Lou Aramore's defensive unit's doing. So I'm going to give them another of ovation because they deserve that and more. Way to go, boys. All right, let's go to the offensive side. And it took a while for the Bengals' offense to click because whew, the first two drives were pretty, pretty shitty. The Bengals got the ball to begin the game. They went three and out. Second drive, they punted, and it just looked like Joe Burr was off in the first half. The old line was getting dominated by Miles Garrett, but more but more they were getting dominated by Jadavion Clowney. And the running game was non existent. P Ryan was dropping passes. He didn't do that a lot in those during the before this game, he wasn't doing that a lot, especially in the receiving end. He was catching those passes and trucking people in the first half. He was dropping those easy passes that Joe threw to him, those check down passes. And I'm like, Piran, you got to catch the fucking ball. So he wasn't doing that. Mixon's back from a concussion. He didn't really get it going the first half. It was just a bleh, especially the fourth quarter. Fourth, not the fourth quarter. The first quarter was just that to say the least. Bengals finally got the offense. Rolling, but in part thanks to the Cleveland Browns, who Jesus, they had a, so much penalties, they had 98 yards of penalties. Oof, so roughing the punter uh, that that was oof. When when Drew Christman got roughed up right there, I thought he blew a knee. I was like, Holy shit! And that was on fourth and 12 when the Bengals had a punt that kept their drive going. Then the Browns got an illegal use of hands called on them. And then the and then Denzel Ward got called for a pass interference. So those three penalties kept the bring kept the Bengals drive going. That was, let's see. I'm doing the map. 35 yards of penalties. <laughs> Jesus. So the Bengals drive went nine plays, 85 yards, took five minutes and three seconds off the clock. Joe Burrow found Jamar Chase with 15 yards on first and 10 for a touchdown. Which, by the way, is probably one of Joe Burrow's best throws ever because he threw that dime into two Browns defenders. And Jamar Chase said after the game that he did not expect that ball. He wasn't even anticipating it. And (laughs) as soon as Burrow threw it, Chase was still doing his route. And Burrow's already throwing the ball. And as soon as Chase turned, boom, the ball's already in his hands. Touchdown. Just what a throw. What a throw. So the Bengals get on the board, 7 nothing, And then the Bengals' next offensive drive, they went nine plays, 75 yards, took two minutes and 35 seconds off the clock. Samaj Pirine had a six-yard touchdown run. It was funny. They hand the ball off to Pirine. It looked like he was going to get stopped for one-yard gain because – there was a pile. It was just, it was, he was in a pile wall. And then the Browns just decided to stop playing football. P. Ryan cuts to the right. Touchdown. Like, that was such a weird, odd developing play. Because it looked like they are going to blow the play dead. You know? And then all of a sudden, P. Ryan just cuts to the, to the right. Touchdown. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. That was weird. All those Browns players just stopped playing football. So, 13-3 Bengals at the half. Evan McPherson missed an extra point. I don't know what happened with that. It didn't look like a bad snap. It probably were, but I don't know why Evan's missing extra points right here. But, oh, well, Bengals still up 13-3 at halftime. Second half, their first offensive drive, they punted. And then their second offensive drive took two plays. But it was a flea flicker, like I talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Joe, hands off to Mixon. Mixon back to Joe. Joe, the T.I., Trent Irwin for 45 yards. I think probably one of the most well-executed lead pickers I've seen. It was perfect. And Joe just led Irwin down the field, 45 yards, 20-3. to And honestly, I felt comfortable that the Bengals were going to win that game. They end up winning 23-10. to 10. Browns get a touchdown with Najoku, but they weren't really a threat because the Bengals' defense was just on their game in this one. <clears throat> so, final stats for the offense. Joe Burr was 18-33 for 33 for 239 yards, two touchdowns, and a tipped interception. For some reason, Joe Burr, out of his nine interceptions, It just feels like it always happens against the AFC North. And just those defenders tipping passes in the line of scrimmage and ending up in their corner's hands for interception. And it happened in this game. So it just, it's annoying. (laughs) It gets annoying, for real. He was only sacked once with a QBR of 75.7. Joe Mixon, like I said, returned in this game after missing two games with a concussion. He had 14 carries for 96 yards, 6.9 yards per carry, including a huge 40-yard gain after the Browns scored their touchdown. The Bengals ended up with field goal in that drive, but that was big because it kind of felt like the Browns were getting momentum. And then that big run by Mixon, that was huge right there. And like I said in the podcast last week, Joe Mixon is the Bengals' starting running back. He is running back number one. And... Yeah, you saw there in today's game. Oh yesterday's game. He's our running back. So, let's stop with the... Oh, please, let's start some RJ P. Ryan. P. Ryan's been great for us, but stop. <clears throat> okay, stop it. Mixon's our starting running back. And uh, Jamar Chase is really good, guys. I think you guys already knew that, but... He didn't play in the first Browns game because of the hip injury. In this game, 10 catches, 119 yards... yards per catch. One touchdown. He literally was dicing up the Cleveland secondary. Denzel Ward. Newsom They had no chance against Chase. And that's how good he is. So, it's good to have Chase and Mixon back. Just makes that offense just even more elite than it already is. So, even though the offense was up and down. They had their struggles in the first half. But the second half, they played whole lot better and the offensive line was like I said it wasn't the best in the first half but in the second half they did well I want to give a shout out to Jonah Williams he did a good job on Miles Garrett I think Jonah Williams played one of his best games of the season Collins had a couple of holding calls he's been he's been up and down the last couple of games so we just hope Lyle Collins can get better Bolson had his moments, but overall played okay. Kappa and Karras remained solid. So yeah, that's pretty much what the offense did in this game. That's my takes on it. I think overall it was, if I had to give a grade on the offense, well, the defense gets an A. <clears throat> I think the offense will get and they get a solid C. C just because of the slow start they had in the first half, but They did better in the second half. All right. Yes, there is negatives in this game. And uh, why is it, guys, that every time we play the Cleveland Browns, we have injuries, man. And in this game, T. Higgins, his hamstring. Now, remember in the first Ravens game, Higgins was limited in that game because of a hamstring injury. He played a little bit in the first half. Then after, you didn't see him at all. Because they were keeping it out. Because he couldn't go. He showed up in the injury report last week. On Thursday, I believe, with a hamstring injury. And I was like, shit. But then on Friday, they said he was going to good to go for this game on Sunday. And I'm like, alright, cool. He played only one snap. And it was the first offensive series. Then he was held out for the game. It's low-key concerning... I just hope that his hamstring injury isn't worse than we think it probably is, you know? We want to keep positive vibes here. I think the Bengals' training staff was very smart on not letting T play in this game just because I believe the Bengals knew that they can win this game without him. I know because, you know, yeah, we struggle against the Browns, but in this game... I think the Bengals are confident. They've they they they've won games without Chase and Higgins before. And they felt like the defense was going to have a good day against the Browns. So why risk putting T out there and even making this injury to his hamstring even more worse? So good on the training staff for that. So let's just hope that his hamstring will be okay, and that maybe he'll play against Tampa Bay on Sunday, this coming Sunday, but if he doesn't play against Tampa, I still think this team can still beat the Buccaneers, because that team is just very, they're not really good, but I know they have Tom Brady, and they have a good defense at times, they're not really high powering on offense, so... I don't think you really need T. Higgins for a shootout against the Tampa Bay because they're not really that high power of an offensive team. But I think you're going to need T for the Bills and the Ravens matchups. So if they decide not to play him this week, I'm not going to be too upset because we're looking towards the future. And the future is hopefully competing for an AFC North title. In that last game of the season against the Ravens, and then further along in the playoffs. So, rest up, T. We'll just see what the we'll just see how he progresses throughout the week. Obviously, I want him to play on Sunday, but we'll see. Gotta be precautious. Tyler Boyd, he hurt his finger in the second on the Bengals' second play from offense. He hurt his finger. He was ruled out. For, he was. Originally he was questionable, and then the Bengals ruled him out for the whole game. And now they're saying that his injury is week to week, so it's about how he he feels during practice. I don't think he's going to play this weekend against Tampa, but who knows? I think it's a good thing that he dislocated his finger and not break it because if you have broken the finger. He could have been lost for the season, so that's good news that it was only a dislocation. But man, we need Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins because the offense just clicks. It's not a disrespect to Trent Irwin because they have stepped up. Trent Taylor has Trent Taylor made some made a nice catch and yardage in this game. Mitchell Wilcox made a catch. I'm not saying those three are scrubs. I'm just saying like. They're not T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So let's just hope that their injuries will heal up. And we're going to need them down the stretch. So let's just take it one day at a time. One day at a time. Okay, Trey Hendrickson. So after the game, you know, we're all like, okay, we know the extent of what's going on with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins' injuries, but... This came out of left field. Trey Henderson broke his fucking wrist. And he still played the rest of the game. He broke his wrist in the fourth quarter. And still played. So, he's going to be out for... They're saying a couple of weeks. Four weeks, right? So, he's not playing this weekend, obviously. He's not going to play against the Patriots, most likely. You're hoping that he'll be back for the Bills game? I think that's where you need Trey Hendrickson. You need that pressure on Josh Allen. So let's just hope that he's a fast healer. I think, regardless, he's going to be playing with a cast. So, mmm. This injury is tricky because you need that pass rush. Even though the Bengals don't sack a lot of, they don't get a lot of sacks. They still create a lot of pressure, and that's due to Trey Hendrickson just being a freaking menace out there. So, heal up, Trey. We're gonna need you, and well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a week by week thing as well with him. But the fact that he broke his wrist is very concerning. I mean, during the playoff run last year, he was playing with a bad back. So, I'm pretty sure that Trey can play with a cast on. So, we'll see. I think we need him for the Bills games. But if he doesn't play against Buffalo, we're obviously going to need him for the Ravens game. But if they just want to rest him up for the playoffs, we don't have the playoffs secure, But I'm pretty sure the Bengals are going to be in the playoffs. Out of these next four games, Bengals just need to win one game to feel, like, comfortable in the playoffs. So, obviously, you want to win all four of them. Duh. But this this team is going to make the playoffs. But it's all about making sure your key players are healthy for that potential, hopefully, playoff run. So, rest up, Trey. Rest up. All right. So... Before I get to another developing thing that I saw last night on Twitter, a Bengals player tweeted that was I was really like, what is going on? Let's talk about... Do I even have this? Oh, here we go. My notes are all over the place, guys. All right. Top Bengals according to Pro Football Focus. Saw this this morning. On offense, number one, Joe Burr, number two, Jamar Chase, number three, T Higgins, number four, Joe Mixon, and number five, Samaje Pirine. And then on defense, number one, DJ Reader, number two, Jermaine Pratt, number three, Trey Hendrickson, and the number four, I'm sorry, number four, Sam Hubbard, and number five, Logan Wilson. Pro Football Focus has Alex Kappa as the best offensive lineman for the Bengals, and then Mike Hilton as the best defensive back, and Marcus Bailey as the best special teamer. So that's really good, especially for Marcus Bailey. I think he deserves a shot to be at the Pro Bowl because he is one of the best special teamers in the league. So good for him. All right, let's go to something that I saw on Twitter last night, guys. So Jermaine Pratt, we all know what he did against the Chiefs, that huge fumble, force he had on Travis Kelsey Jermaine Pratt tweeted last night and I was very I was shocked by this tweet okay here's what he said alright need to play third down too much money left on the table okay I was I didn't really know the context of that tweet I was thinking what you need to be on the field on third down And I don't think he was talking about too much money on the line, meaning, oh, it's all about me trying to, you know, hopefully get resigned and get paid. I think he was just talking about, you know, getting out there more, you know, too much. He wants to get too much money on the line, meaning too much money left on the table, meaning that he wants to create turnovers. That's what I I got. And I think that's what people we're assuming some people were assuming, oh, this man is just being selfish. Why would you tweet that? Blah blah blah. I think he's talking about, you know, there's turnovers there's turnovers to be made, and you know you saw what he did against the Chiefs on Kelsey. That's what I think he was meaning-like too much money left on the table, meaning there's turnovers to be made. He wants to be out there on third down creating those turnovers. Alright. So, I did some research. So Pratt had eight snaps on third down against the Browns. His second highest total of the season. He had nine versus the Falcons, okay? So, eight out of 15 snaps were against the Browns, and then nine out of 10 snaps were against the Falcons, okay? So, here are Pratt's play percentages by downs this season. On first down, 79.7% second down 77.4% and on third downs 28.7%. So, as you look at it, pretty much Pratt has played 53.3% of third downs. Only second time this season he topped 33.3% on thirds. I get it. He wants to play. He wants to be out there on every down. Totally understand that. He wants to win just like the rest of the team. And, we want, and, as, and as fans, we want this team to win. He's been a big contributor. He's having a career year. He's playing for our contract. I just don't think the Bengals are going to re-sign him. He could sign somewhere else next year. It doesn't mean I don't want him on his team. I do because he's been such a great player for them. I just think that the Bengals are going to pay Logan Wilson. I think the Bengals look at Logan Wilson as the future man of holding down the linebacker room and not Jermaine Pratt. And that's not me being disrespectful. That's just me being truthful on that. So, did I like the tweet? No, because I just think that... I just think I I didn't like it just because it's like... If you really feel that way, you can just tell the coaches I don't think you should go on social media, and I understand it was probably the heat of the moment, and he believes that he should be out there in every downs, especially on third downs and yeah i I believe you should be out there jermaine Pratt i really do you've been such a force this year you've such a been a, you've been a big help for how this defense continues to be really good, so I just wish he didn't tweet that. But I understand why he feels that way. I just think he didn't need to go on social media for that. But Jermaine Pratt's having a good year. I am this is not a Jermaine Pratt bashing at all. At all. Not at all. Because he's such an important he's one of the most important people on that defense. He really is. So, he's having a great year and just don't want to diminish that because of this tweet. Well, move on. He's still going to be on the team this year, guys. You don't have to talk shit on him and bash him. I saw some Bengals fans doing that. I'm like, okay. He's playing for a contract. He's playing for more money. Like, I get it. But you don't have to trash him at all. Some Bengals fans can be just insane, guys, to say the least. Also, let me get back to the Troy Henderson injury. Okay, with him being out, Joseph Osai... Well now, will probably be playing in Hendrickson's spot. Now he did get hurt against the Browns. Osai did, but thankfully he's not going to be as worse that people thought it was going to be. I think he had like a shoulder injury, but they say that he's going to be okay. So, if he's okay and good to go for the game in Tampa on Sunday, you know what's crazy and what's very coincidental that in the preseason game last year when the Bengals played the Bucks in their first game. Remember when Osai sacked Tom Brady? Yeah, so if he's starting on Sunday, if all is good with his, with his health, he gets to play against against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. I just I just found that very like just like who would have thought that, right? But Joseph Osai has really played well. When he's given opportunity to get some reps out there. So it's his time. And he's gonna be playing his natural position. So we drafted him for a reason. Third round pick out of Texas. So let's see what he got. Now that he's gonna be playing in that position that he played in college. So we'll see. Okay. So Bengals are nine and four. Ravens are nine to four. Alright. Next four games for the Bengals. So you got at the you got at Tampa Bay this Sunday, and then you go to New England on Christmas Eve on a Saturday. That's a one o'clock game. And then you got the Bills here at Paycor Stadium on Monday night on January the 2nd. And then you got the Ravens here at home January 8th to wrap up the season. That could pretty much well decide the AFC North. Ravens next four games. They got at the Browns on Saturday. That's this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on NFL Network. And then they got the Falcons at home on Christmas Eve on Saturday. And then they got the Steelers, believe it's in Baltimore, yes, January 1st. The and then they go to the Bengals on the 8th to wrap up the season. We're going to be big Browns fans. Even though I shit it on and talk about the Browns in the beginning of this broadcast, we're gonna need the Browns to win on Saturday. If the Browns can get that job done and the Bengals get their job done in Tampa Bay, the Bengals will be in first place. Now, as I look at it, you Tampa Bay, New England. I want the Bengals to go 2-0 on that stretch. But if they go one and one, I'll be okay with it because you'll be, let's see, be ten and five heading into the Monday night football showdown against the Bills. And then what if, say this, Bengals beat Tampa Bay, Bengals beat the Patriots. You're 11-4. and four. If you lose to the Bills, it's not really going to kill you because regardless, if the Bengals beat Tampa Bay and New England and they lose to Buffalo, that Ravens matchup is going to decide the vision regardless. Either way, the Bengals on the win the divisions. It's not the end in the world because I believe this team can win anywhere. They did that last year, so it's not a killer. But selfishly, I want the Bengals to host a playoff game at Paycor Stadium again. The Baltimore Ravens are such a weird ass team. They don't have Lamar Jackson right now because he's dealing with a knee injury, but he will be back before the season ends. They have no receivers. They have no. Well, Dobbins played well. He ran the ball well against the Steelers on Sunday, but. For them for being 9-4 and the way they've won their games lately. Barely being the Broncos. Playing against the Panthers at home. In the fourth quarter of nine minutes left. 3-3. Three, three. Like, are you kidding me? They've blown double-digit leads to begin the season. <clears throat> I just don't know. They're such a weird-ass 9-4 and four team. I don't think they're horrible. I think they're good, but they're not great. They're not like, oh my god. So... It's annoying me that they're that they're still in first place in the North and they're nine and four. Same with us, but we have our injury issues to deal with. But hopefully, you know T and TB will get healthy. Hopefully, Trey Hendrickson will get back there before the season ends. And let's just hope that we have no more injuries. Knock on wood, please. And for some reason, it always happens against the Cleveland Browns. And thank God we don't play them again for the rest of the season. So, I'm glad we got that matchup over with. So, here we go, guys. Next four games. We're almost, the season's almost over, guys. Shit. Four games to go. The Division's still in sights. But we got to play Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, who lost to a backup backup in Brock Purdy. They were down 35 to nothing in that game. They're not good, but I just think that this game on Sunday is gonna be close. But I feel like the Bengals should win this game. They should. And then when they go to the when they go to New England on Christmas Eve, Bill Belichick, he knows how to he knows how to just throw out some good game plans and he's a genius at that and you just you just, he just never know. Patriots aren't really good, but still, these are still, it's still two tough games, regardless. And you're playing on the road, the NFL is drunk this year, like the Texans almost beat the fucking Cowboys, and the Cowboys went into that game as 17 and a half point favorites, they only won by four, so no games to give me. So let's just focus on beating Tampa Bay, get the 10 wins, and then... We'll see how it goes. And also, just get healthy as well. I think that's it. I think that's it for this podcast. Um, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. I'm having fun because the Bengals are in the midst of a playoff push. And you guys just keep on just listening. I really do appreciate all my fans. And I'm trying to think what else. Okay. Hit that like button on Spotify. Write any reviews or comments in any platform that you're listening to on this podcast. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. I will talk to you guys after the Tampa Bay game on Sunday. It's a 425 p.m. kickoff on CBS. Jim Nance and Tony Romero on the call, like I said earlier in the podcast. So, you think that Tony Romero likes Patrick Mahomes. Whew. Get ready for the love fest and the <clears throat> he's going to have with Tom Brady. Can't wait for that. Might as well just put the game on 700WW and listen to Dan and Dave Lapham. Because, yeesh. All right, guys. You guys have a good week. And I will talk to you guys on Sunday. Who day?